We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Roto Wire Fantasy Soccer Podcast Fantasy Show. I am here, Adams Drake, with Ryan Belangi. We're doing the special Q and A, which is coming exactly a week before the Premier League season. We have Crystal Palace against Arsenal. Ryan's own Crystal Palace against Arsenal next Friday. But we're doing a special Q and A. He won King of the Pitch last season. In case you haven't heard. Uh, Ryan took down the 100,000 in the king of the pitch. And Ryan, uh, I guess, how have you been? And I guess the main question I think everyone wants to know, the first question is, have you figured out your taxes yet for for next year? Oh, that's not a fun thing to to start (laughs) off with. (laughs) You know what? Um, Living in London, for everyone that plays DK in the UK, there's no taxes on gambling. You can win. Holy cow, what? But but, uh, that doesn't necessarily apply to me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I haven't looked into it it too much. Um, But yeah, it's crazy. You can win as much as you want gambling here and you don't have to pay any taxes on it. Now, I still might considering I'm not like a British citizen and right. I'm an American citizen. Um, but yeah, anyways, thanks. King of the pitch. Yeah. hundred K summer's been good. It's been sort of like a, you know, a two month long sort of celebration of sorts. I haven't had much to do. I've been grinding DFS baseball, you know, going out to dinner quite a bit, spending a little of the king of the pitch money, We've had family here, my girl's family seeing the baby, my parents. So, yeah, just a lot of going out, chilling, not not too much going on. Um, the dog days of summer, you know, I'm, I'm ready for soccer to be back. I like I like DFS baseball. It's fun, but it's not nearly as profitable and it, it's not as fun as soccer. Either. So, yeah, it's good. To, it's good to be back. I'm, I'm excited. It feels like we didn't have much of a break, but uh, I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, we someone posted in the Discord that you recently took down one of the women's Euro contests. So, like, you're still you're still cooking away and win and winning contests, even though you know Premier League's not going on. So, yeah, we, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit because I won it with a sub. First time I've ever won it with a sub in a GPP. 
Um, but yeah, I love women's soccer. I love the way it plays for DFS. Uh, most of the people don't necessarily know the way it plays plays for DFS. So they play it like similarly to the Premier League or the Champions League. And it just doesn't work that way most of the time. So I feel like there's a decent edge and it's one of the few women's sports that I enjoy watching. So, so yeah, I, I've liked the, the Euros. There you go. The inside scoop there. I, I guess while I have the screen pulled up, I'm assuming most of the people are watching on Twitter or on YouTube. So you mentioned, so there's no taxes on, on gambling in the UK. Um, so, well, I guess one of my questions, I just, we, we kind of talked about it in the past. It's just, uh, so you've been in Crystal Palace for a little bit and you have the FPL game, the fantasy Premier League game, you know, the official game that's been around, I don't know how long, 20 something years or whatever, but um, there's 8 million people playing it. And I mean, we know that DFS, I'm not sure it's that big in the UK. Um, right. If, if there's no taxes on, on gambling, why isn't like DFS or I, I guess gambling Man. is po- plenty popular, but you know, why are so many people playing FPL over, over DFS? It's it still, it kind of blows my mind that it's not more popular. It blows my mind too, and all of our minds over here. We've had this exact conversation with multiple people at DraftKings, with multiple people at that work at DraftKings over in the UK. Yeah, you know, it's just a bit of a mystery. Everybody plays FPL, and there's like no money involved. But you have to beat eight million people, and I don't even know what you win like a kit from your favorite team at the end or something. <laughs> I mean, like, and and people love gambling over here. I mean, gambling is is like part of the culture it's not as frowned upon as it is in the states it's not really in the states anymore as much but um yeah i don't know it's a mystery i think it's because the game might be a little complicated just for someone to jump in i don't know you're gonna lose a lot um if you're just starting i don't know if you're coming from the uk where they don't really play fantasy games and the scoring's different i mean there's quite a bit to learn and i don't know i assume people have tried and lost but I'm not sure. Yeah, you think it would be bigger. Yeah, I pulled up the prizes. It's like first place gets uh, a bit of stuff. There's like a seven-night break somewhere. I don't know, a bunch of uh, experiences, (laughs) travel. And then you get to like uh, fifth place, a copy of FIFA 23, a speaker, a jacket, a goodie bag. Like like this is fifth place out of eight million. And people worse than like (laughs) the set of steak knives on DraftKings for ninth place. Right. Um, You got like monthly prizes, weekly prizes. But I mean, again, that's like a copy of FIFA, uh, a a ball, a speaker, a mug. So it's like, okay, you're beating, you beat 8 million people. Here's your FPL mug. Congrats. (laughs) Right. Like, Uh, yeah, just doesn't make sense to me. All right. So let's, uh, before we get into some questions, I wanted to just discuss, you know, the 100,000, because we haven't had a show since you won that 100,000. And so uh, this was King of the Pitch, in which you had eight entries, if I remember correctly. You had the full eight entries. That's the max mm-hmm. in the contest. Um, if you're watching here on YouTube, I put up some incorrect prices because I couldn't find them because Rafinha is now in Barcelona, so that was no longer on the cheat sheet. But uh, Ryan was saying he was around seven thousand, not the ten thousand I wrote down, and Mesli was around forty three hundred or so. But I have his lineup on here, um, so just kind of 
I guess we can, I mean, loosely talk about it again. This was, you know, the 10 games final day slate. Uh, that happened two months ago, so it's maybe not too fresh in our memory. But, like, we have the TAA, we have the Cedric, uh, you know, you you. I guess you won it on the Reese James assist, which was maybe happened in, in stoppage time for Chelsea. Uh, but just looking at your forwards, you went with Kane, you went with Wilson. Uh, so, you know, two goal scorers. What was, I guess, maybe not okay, so, thinking, but yeah, go run yeah, through it here. I could probably do a whole podcast or take up a whole podcast for, for this, but. Um, so yeah, like you said, Rafinha, I think was 6,900 and yeah, Meslier was, was 43. So other than that, the, the prices are right. But, um, so I had eight lineups and I first like tried to come up with a, a core, I guess, of who I thought were the best plays on the slate, just because it was tough. You know, you had city in, in a city in Liverpool in pretty good spots and they both needed to win going for the title. Um, Arsenal and Chelsea didn't really have anything to play for, but they were big favorites against Watford and uh, Arsenal against Everton who had, you know, just secured, you know, staying up in the prem and then Tottenham against Watford needed to win uh, to be in the champions league. So basically all five of the top teams were in pretty good spots. Um, Rafinha probably had the most motivation on the slate. You know, Leeds were facing relegation against Brentford. Um, and 6900 for Rafinha, it was a price thing. You know, I felt most confident about him. Uh, 6900 was just too cheap. He had been coming close to scoring for, for like a month. You know, he, he hit the, the post three times, I remember, on free kicks, maybe in the last three weeks before that. He's taking penalties. He's taking sets. I mean, you know he's playing 90 minutes, and he's just too cheap. So, like, Rafinha I felt comfortable with. Like, uh, And then Callum Wilson, too. Um, cheap forward was tough. If you remember, Callum Wilson and Newcastle were playing against Barnes, Ashley Barnes and Burnley, who needed to win. And I remember we talked about on that pod, couldn't believe that Newcastle and Dubrovka were cheaper than, than Burnley and Barnes like and Barnes and Wilson were the same price I just I couldn't imagine playing Barnes I mean Newcastle were flying scoring goals Wilson had just scored against Arsenal you know they just beat Arsenal three nothing I just figured I felt better about Wilson uh you know I couldn't go down with Ashley Barnes there were other cheap forwards too though like um Ronaldo didn't start so Cavani was the same price and some people went there <laughs> And uh, then Leeds had a bunch of cheap forwards too, uh, all in that range. I think Leeds had three guys in, in that range, uh, Rodrigo, Greenwood, somebody else. But yeah, and then Trent, Trent was too cheap too. Uh, like I, with eight lineups, it's tough because like, do you, do you want to lock all these guys in? That seems like pretty risky. You know, I can just, I know, like we talked, I talked about it with Jordan. He would have had a totally opposite take than me. Like me coming up with ownership percentages on my core was like the toughest part because I think the re one of the reasons why I've had the success I've had in soccer is because I go heavier on ownership than pretty much anybody. I mean, the slates where I'm playing 20 or 30 lineups, I have multiple players at a hundred percent ownership on most of those slates. Um, 
this one was tough. So then, so Trent's just too cheap. Like you got to play him. And then Cedric too, like Cedric's cheap. He's taking corners and it just like lets you pay up for all these guys. So if I said a core four was Rafinha, Callum Wilson, Trent and Cedric. And then I was just trying to mix in like Kane, De Bruyne. Um, I decided to fade the city and Liverpool guys. Cause I just didn't want to guess. And I thought, I thought Tottenham and Arsenal were more likely to maybe just put up four or five with those games not meaning anything and the the City Liverpool games being maybe kind of cagey. So I only played De Bruyne um, out of City and Liverpool. But anyways, just as far as making these lineups, um, I went back and forth many times. I I came up, you know, okay. So I've never won more prior to this King of the Pitch win. I've never won more than fifteen thousand on a slate. Um, I don't max enter. There's not too many opportunities for like a huge score. This king of the pitch. I mean, I had eight entries and it's, it, it was bigger than the last two king of the pitches. The entries were worth more. Um, there was double the prize pool, I believe. Um, so this is like a big opportunity once a year. I don't know if king of the pitch is going to be that big going forward. The qualifiers were overlaying towards the end. So like, yeah, I guess, how am I going to play it? Am I really going to jam all these guys and a couple of them bust and I'm just dead? It feels like incredibly stupid, but I also didn't want to like go away from, from what got me there. So I made some lineups on Thursday morning. Then we did the podcast on Friday, you know, talking to Jordan, obviously he's got a little bit um, of a different strategy when it comes to this stuff. And I probably would too, if it wasn't soccer. Um, but a lot of what soccer is still is predicting who's going to score the goals. Um, and I've been pretty good at picking who's going to score the goals, finding the right spots. Um, so then after that podcast, I, I switched all eight of my lineups again. Um, <laughs> and then Saturday morning, I switched all eight again. Um, Saturday morning is when I, you know, I decided that I was going to play my best chalk and then try to come up with some low owned guys. And I decided on Odegaard and Martinelli. I think Odegaard, what did he end up being? 4%? I can't. I can't Odegaard remember. is 4%. Yep. 4%. Yeah. So, so he was the key and um, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. So that made it a little bit easier. Um, they were also cheaper. Like if you take the attacking players from Arsenal, Spurs, City, all the top five, Liverpool, uh, Odegaard was the cheapest of all of them. And you can say, yeah, he's not a forward, but, um, that total had been creeping up. I mean, it was going up Thursday. It was going up Friday. Arsenal's total was high on Saturday. Like it just seemed like they were going to smash Everton like that. That was a spot Arsenal with nothing to play for. Perfect. Everton, you know, a huge comeback to like, to, to stay up. Um, so yeah, I decided I was going to roll with Arsenal. Uh, for my low own guys, this lineup right here. So, okay. So then I'll fast forward a little bit, 15 minutes left before lock. I've got Rafinha, Callum, Trent, and Cedric on at least six of my eight lineups. All four of those guys seems kind of nuts. 75% on all those guys. Like you're going to throw a lot of chances away if something goes wrong and they're all going to be chalky. So mm -hmm. like, I'm really going to play these chalky guys. And not like just make some, I don't know, some game stacks or some more leverage lineups. So I got a little bit nervous and took, uh, panicked a little bit. 
took two Callum Wilson out, so I ended up with four. Took Rafinha out. I also had three Odegaard and three Martinelli, and I took one of each of them out. And actually, the lineup that I one lineup that I took out with about ten minutes to go would have beat my lineup that won. It's possible I would have got first and second. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in there. The lineup I took out, um, it had KDB instead of Kane. Martinelli instead of Reese James and Palace's keeper instead of Meslier. So like, yeah, Kane outscored KDB, but only by like, I don't remember five or something. Martinelli outscored Reese by like double digits. Mm. That lineup would have done better. But uh, yeah, anyways, I, you know, I, I know that was rambling. I, I could have like done a whole pot on how, how I came up, but, but it was tough. I don't know. I'm glad it, I'm glad it went, uh, the way it did basically in the end, I just decided that I had to play a similar way to, to what got me here basically. Yeah. I mean, just a couple points here. So you're, you know, you're currently the number one ranked soccer player at Roto grinders. And like, I feel like your strategy, the way you play is different than, I mean, I'm not looking at the leaderboard, but a good portion of the people on the leaderboard, like you're talking about Rafinha having, you know, hit the post in recent matches and how well these guys actually play. Like a lot of people on the leaderboard don't actually watch soccer. You know, they just put numbers. Maybe Okay. Maybe they watch soccer, but you know, they're just putting numbers in the spreadsheets. So like, I, I think you, you already kind of separate yourself because you're actually watching these games. You know how these teams play. Um, so I think that one that stands out at least, but uh, just in terms of that slate, like I think you're like you got that Reese James assist and he was sub 20 percent. So that definitely. Oh, yeah. Helped. I'm glad you brought up Reese James. So um, that was my only Reese James lineup. <laughs> um, and yeah, he, I mean, he almost lost it for me. Even with that with that assist, he's my lowest scoring guy. And I mean, he was 7K. So like, trust me, I didn't, I didn't want to play three defenders, but you know, we've seen rescore braces. And so I had Trent and Cedric who are like, you know, too good of plays based on the price. So they like almost don't count. So I was thinking of Reese more as like a midfielder, you know, it was against Watford and I wanted at least one exposure or at least one Reese James, you know, man, I would have been kicking myself if, if Reese went off and I have eight lineups with, and, and didn't play him. It would have been brutal. Um, so yeah, I'm glad it worked out like that. You know, it's tough. It was tough deciding which lineups to go with, you know, going back to like the Callum Wilson thing, why I decided like on just Callum, like, am I really going to make the same lineup and just switch Callum for Barnes? Like that seems a little crazy too. Like, cause that's what I would do if it was like a main or if it was like a, a normal tournament, if I had 20 lineups or something, you know, I'd be making the same lineup, one with Callum, one with Barnes. I'd be, you know, doing stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I just had to pick, you know, go with, you just take stands, I guess. Uh, mm. So I could switch up things elsewhere. Yeah. Just looking at the le final leaderboard. So you, you beat second place by about six points and then third place by about nine points. You beat fifth place by almost 20 points. So, you know, it's yeah, that's like a, pretty crazy with all that chalk I had right. too. like, you know, it's not like, cause there's 10 games. So the ownership didn't get too out of hand, but I mean, Callum was the popular punt. Rafinha was popular. Obviously Kane, you know, Callum was actually only 
I, I thought he, he'd actually be higher, but Callum was 20%. So yeah, you're right. I wonder I, what, I wonder what actually Barnes percentage was. Cause I, I was on your train of, you know, why are we going? Barnes was, Barnes? you know, I, I believe he was like 10. So like half okay. of Callum, but it was yeah. the fact that Cavani started. So he took a little bit and those yeah. leads guys took, took a little bit too. Yeah. Um, I was uh, uh, like you had, you had the crystal palace keeper, whether it was great or Butland or whoever uh, I was all about crystal palace uh, keeping Manchester United scoreless in that game. They ended up winning one nil or maybe it was scoreless yeah. draw, whatever, but I'll say something else. Sorry. No, go, go ahead. Finish. No, I wasn't. No, this is your show, man. You go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. So some people might remember, you probably remember on the podcast, I like made a point about how, Calvin Phillips was just like a lock of a cash play. He <laughs> yeah. was like 33, 3400 or, or something, you know, and we talked about Leeds having the motivation. Well, people made a big mistake and a lot of sharp people too, because Calvin was like 30% in that King of the pitch. I mean, I just, I can't imagine doing that. Like you, you need, I, I get it. Like, you know, it could have worked. You could have made a lineup where like, I don't know. He scores five points and you still win, but you still need more than that. Goals in all those spots, you have to play players who can score two goals in all those spots. I mean, like now I used a couple punts like that, but I used Saul uh, for Chelsea who was playing in center mid and it was against Watford. So I felt like there was quite a bit more upside there, but yeah, it helped that all those people, a ton of people used Calvin Phillips. I was pretty surprised by that, but maybe I shouldn't be because people are still making quite a bit of mistakes similar to that, even in the higher stakes tournaments. I don't know like how much I want to get into it, but uh, yeah, I see people playing defensive mids at util, center backs at util, and basically just not going for enough upside all the time. Yeah, the Calvin Phillips strategy is is interesting if you're trying to win a hundred thousand. Like I'm not yeah, sure, I'm not sure right. he's the guy to do it. So, and I gotta say, like in you know, I said I I built new lineups Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. I had some Calvin Phillips at the start. Like it's it's a process to to figure out where you're going wrong, like if it's a mistake or not. Yeah. All right, I think that's 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 good for uh, the the uh, the winner there. We got some questions we got to get into. Um, well, we already talked about this one. I wrote this down about uh, why people should play DFS instead of FPL, and we we discussed that. So, uh, the oh first yeah, but one. just for that, I, I like that specific question um, because you can win way more money. That's number one. <laughs> okay, number two is the slates end in one day. There's a new one the next day. You don't have to wait the whole season. What if your FPL lineup's dead after a month? That's the worst. And most of them are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could go on, but there, there's a lot of good reasons. Yeah, someone was asking about, like, XG. And if I use XG, and if I, uh, if I use uh, models and projections, um, and in a way, in a way I do, um, but the, like the answer for soccer is no, I've never looked at a projection. I think it's very hard for soccer. I don't use an optimizer. I don't use, you know, I'm not looking at 
individual XG numbers all the time, but I would be if I didn't watch the games. Now, I've watched these games for a long, a long time. I mean, I've been watching the Premier League for like 20 years, but playing DFS for the last five or so and watching all these games, I feel like I have a pretty good XG in my head, at least for most teams and most players. You know, even the games that I don't watch, I'm watching the extended highlights and I'm following... You know, I'm following the XG as the games are going to, if, I, if I'm checking stats. Um, but yeah, it, it is important, especially if you don't watch the games. Like um, from a team perspective, like Wolves the last two years, um, they had a higher XG and they weren't, you know, scoring many goals. And consequently, people don't want to play them. They end up thinking, you know, w- Wolves sucks. You know, their prices come down. And so people aren't playing them and they're cheap, but you know, the Premier League ebbs and flows like all of these major sports do. And that's the perfect time to, to jump on these teams. Like I couldn't believe some of the ownership on wolves. I mean, I know it was a showdown slate, but I, I won uh, the wolves arsenal showdown with he Chan and he was the cheapest attacking player by a mile. He was like 4k or something. And, 3% owned. Um, The season before, it was Brighton. Um, They weren't scoring goals, but they were playing decent. Um, It's a long season. So, yeah, you you, want to look for those spots. As far as players go, um, yeah, XG is important for that, too. I remember Briel and Bolo in the Italian League for Atalanta. he had he underperformed his XG by more than anyone in the league. And, you know, some people would say like, oh, he sucks, so don't play him. But, I mean, those are the exact guys that I'm looking to play. I mean, you're not investing in, you know, a guy like that for the whole season. He just needs to perform to his XG one time. Like a couple seasons before, Zaha, Zaha didn't score that many goals. I don't remember. Maybe he only scored like four or five goals one season, but he'd actually hit the post more than any other player in the league. I think it was like six times. Um, and some goalies made some pretty good saves, you know, all the stuff that increases XG. And he, he played for a bad team too. So the next season, you know, Palace got just a little bit better. Zaha's scoring tons of goals again. And people just get off players so easily the same thing kind of happened with Rafinha like we sort of mentioned you know his price keeps falling you know leads aren't playing well he's not scoring goals but he could have been scoring goals so I mean opportunities like that will come up throughout the season so yeah I am looking at xg but I don't have a model never looked at a model I don't like like I, I have an xg in my head so if you don't watch the games yeah xg is huge you could use it for something like um, maybe cheap center midfielders. Um, yeah, it just any, you're looking for low own goals to, to win these tournaments. And like, um, I'm trying to think of a player maybe like, yeah, I don't know. It'd just be a guess, but like a Jacob Ramsey at the start of last season when he came and scored those goals, you know, if you've been watching the games, you'd see that he was in the box all the time. Um, he was, you know, getting on the end of stuff. He was, he had a, a lot of good chances to score. So you knew it was coming. And then when it does come, those, those guys are like 4% owned. 
um, and, and you win a tournament. So yeah, I'm, I'm paying attention to that stuff. What's up, dude? Yeah, sorry about that. Um, I'm currently going off the internet on my phone. There's currently a, uh, a vote for like fiber in my town and Comcast mm -hmm. uh, seems like they just cut the internet off on me. So Wow, that's annoying. <laughs> so uh, I'm here. So we got this XG one figured out. Uh, I figured you didn't really use a certain model just based off the way you talk, but no, like I just, yeah, like Saramac and Redcoats. Well, I don't know about Redcoats. I shouldn't lump them together, but I would assume they, they do a similar thing. You know, Saramac does everything by model. He, he, I don't think he makes any decisions that aren't based on that, you know, projecting the outcome, ceilings, floors, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, yeah, if you if you if you have a model as good as his, maybe it would work. But <laughs> soccer is very very tough for that. Like just just looking at at projections, it's a tough sport to project when when something like a goal is just worth so much more than anything else. Yeah, if you have Ceramex model, then you're good to go. Uh, you're right. <laughs> pretty <laughs> so much. There you go. That's all you need. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, the next one. So what factors do you run through when constructing lineups for two game slates? Um, I believe this comes from Jack B. I want to say he's one of our followers. Mentioned this in Discord, but he often does full defense plus a goalkeeper stack. Um, how do you optimize if there are no clean sheets scripted out like a showdown? Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like two game slates. Yeah. And they're, and they're much different than, than bigger slates up until the end of last season. I'd, I'd had much more success on two and three game slates. Um, stacking full defense plus keeper. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to, say this for a lot of stuff, but of course everything is slate dependent, but just in general, yes, you want to script like a showdown. You want to script both games and make lineups that are going to fit that. 
Absolutely. And you're not really doing that on six game slates. Also on these two game slates, similar to showdowns, floors are going to be more important most of the time, you know, unless you have, I don't know, a city or Liverpool where they might score four or five goals or something. But um, yeah, so floors are going to be more important. I mean, there's plenty of slates where two game slate, I'm, uh, I'm going to start my team with like the three or four set piece takers and just go from there. Um, and then just try to find like a low own goal somewhere, or a low own brace somewhere. But this, this guy's specific question, full defense. I do like the full defense stack, but again, like, and you can do it with sometimes three, play one at util too. Like you might play the wing backs and a center back. You you go for everything. Yes, that definitely works. I like that strategy. Um, but I've also been playing keepers with no defenders. Like that works too. You, you got to be open to that. Like one of the things with keeper, I especially started changing some things last season and just realizing more that it doesn't matter quite as much. Obviously, we know how random it is. I'm not necessarily always trying to pair defenders with my keeper anymore. Um, I'll, yeah, like I said, I'll play a keeper with no defenders from that team. It can happen like a lot of times, like on a smaller slate, you might want to play the huge favorite keeper, the city keeper, the Liverpool keeper. I don't, we had Tottenham on a bunch of these smaller slates, um, Hugo Lloris, but sometimes their center backs are all over 4K. Um, so you're not going to do that. Just play a $2,500 center back from any team. I mean, a lot of times you need to fill the three-team requirement as well. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, another thing. Speaking of Saramek, um, Jordan noticed that he was like the first guy to start doing this last year. He was playing defenders from teams opposite of his forward. So instead of like trying to target the cleat sheet, he was, yeah, he was playing the defender opposite of whatever forward he was playing i mean on the opposite team so like hopefully that forward scores and then the wing back on the other team chases the game um you know i know i'm just rambling here Le lester were on a lot of slates i remember a, a lot of these smaller slates on on sunday at the end of the year um i played a lot of schmeichel but don't you know i, th I think it was a it, i think it's a mistake to be at least it was last year to be pairing him with their wingbacks, like, or not wingbacks, their fullbacks, like a Luke Thomas or like whoever it was guys that don't really do much and are overpriced. Like, I don't know if Tottenham was on that slate too, I'd probably rather play Reguillon or Royale, even with Schmeichel over, over Lester's, you know, fullbacks. So it's all slate dependent. Like you don't want to go for a clean sheet over a defender. That's a better play. Like if there's a, a Trent or a, uh, any of these guys that take set pieces, Reese James, Dina, I mean, especially on smaller slates, those guys are just in my lineup. Like worry about the, the rest later. I don't know. Just rambling. Yeah. No, uh, that makes sense. I was just trying to think of like a four team. Yeah. So, no, go slate ahead. here, Crystal Palace. Um, I guess we can throw Everton in there. Maybe Leeds to an extent. Just like four teams where, like, you don't have a TAA, you don't have yeah. uh, Cancelo. These guys who yeah. you always put in your lineups. What if 
uh, would it, would the full stack in that situation be more beneficial? Yeah, yeah, and then and in that case, like that's when I'm you might play a center back to like a cheap center back if they're if the opportunity cost isn't there at, at defense, but um, like on these smaller slates, especially you should you can do things with lineup construction to win tournaments um, with lineup construction and pricing. Um, it's kind of going to be hard for me to, to talk about this without a slate, but you can like, you know, like evaluate pricing ranges. Like there might, there might not be, you know, some slates, there's going to be good 4k mids, good 5k mids, you know, that whole like mid range. Um, I don't know. Okay. Tottenham was on a lot of Sunday slates and Sun and Kane are very expensive. And sometimes there's good defenders on that slate too. So you, you can't, you can't play everybody and you should, you can, you can let, I guess, other things dictate who are you're going to, who you're going to play. Like there was a slate last year where son, he was like 11 K or something. And he was the highest scorer on the slate the highest overall point total on the slate. I think it was like 20 or something. You know, other guys had maybe 17, 18, so it was close, but he's not on the winner. And I mean, that happens. Look, like a lot of times, you know, if you jam Sun Kane, you're going to have to punt defense. But um, if Reguillon and Royale put up 10 each, like that's a big, big hole to climb out of. So sometimes I'll like force things on two game slates where I'll say like, I'm going to play, you know, these few guys and assuming they score X number of points, you, you can't afford some of the other guys. So it just, it, it makes your decisions easier. I mean, I, it's, it's not really a good explanation, but yeah, I guess just the, the moral of the story is that they're different than, than big slates and you can win them in different ways. You can win them with construction and pricing and you mm -hmm. can't really do that on big slates. Right. All right. What do we get next? Um, so we got this new sub role uh, previously three subs in the premier league. Um, I'm not sure what other leagues actually have this, but I know five subs have been another thing has been a thing for other leagues, but so how often do you think, I guess, substitutes appear in an optimal lineup? And how likely is it to increase as we're going to five subs? Um, do you think subs are over or underutilized at the moment? I mean, you just won, mm -hmm. you know, the Euro Women's with a substitute. So, yeah. Okay. Um, is there well, five there subs be... in Euros, actually, as I, as I talk about this? Uh, there yeah, there was. Subs? Okay. Yeah, there was. Oh, there you go. Um, so, yeah, people are playing subs now. I think, like in some scenarios they're even like overutilized. I remember like I started talking about subs a little bit way back on podcast with Andrew and we talked about it, you know, last year a few times and people are just doing it now, but there's still certain situations where it's, yeah, they can, where I think it's like optimal, like, not just like taking a chance, like the best thing to do. I'll, I'll talk about just this, the women's slate that I won. I hope some people that are listening were following the Euros because it was England. It was an England slate. 
they were huge favorites, minus 2,000, maybe even minus 2,500, like massive favorites, okay? And their front three, they were all like 10K. The cheapest of their front three was 90, 90 some hundred. Um, and I didn't even think, I thought they would just rest their front three. I, like I couldn't believe, like, and I think most people thought that too. They had nothing to play for. So they started the same front three though. And their backup center forward, uh, Alessia Russo was 5K, which is like, you know, she's arguably better than Ellen White, their starter. I mean, I think she is, but just, it doesn't matter who she is. She's 5K. She came on and scored the game before. She came on in the game before that. Like she's for sure going to come on. So the number one thing you want to think of is like, you, you got to make sure your sub's going to come on. Like it's, it's rare that I play a sub you know, maybe in showdown, but like, if I'm not like sure they're going to come on or, or, or you're just wasting a lineup, but just think about this. So England have nothing to play for. They start all these NK forwards. You mentioned the five subs. You got to think a few of them are getting subbed at half. I mean, it's what happens in these tournaments all the time. That's what I was thinking. Now they're minus 2,500 favorites. So if I can get a 5k forward on that team, for just even 30 minutes, even 20 minutes, and you can get them at like very little ownership because they're a sub, like it's hard not to call them the best play on the slate. Like I could show you, I, my te I had text messages with my brother. Um, I said, Russo's a lock, just those exact words, like a sub. And then what we finished one through four and Russo was on all of those lineups. Um, there, so, so it doesn't always work out. I'll give another example from last year. Um, there was a Champions League slate. You'll remember Sheriff Tiraspol um, and Real Madrid. So this was the second game. I think after Sheriff beat them, uh, Madrid were huge favorites, obviously. And like all their forwards were injured. So there was like talk of Luka Jovic getting a start. He was 3,500. Um, he didn't start. And it was Benzema, but, you know, it's against Sheriff. They don't have, like, he's the only attacker on the bench. I knew he was going to come on. I'll take 20 minutes. So it's the price. It's the price. You know, if, if these guys, if he's 6K, 7K, I mean, never. But, but 3,500. Think of the defensive midfielders you're playing in your lineup for that price. I mean, you would much rather have 20 minutes of a forward on a favorite I mean, goals, it's often easier to score goals in the last 20 minutes of a game too than it is at the start. And then you get, you get the ownership. Um, so yeah, like playing subs can be just extremely optimal, but people are playing them a lot now in the, in the showdown slate after that, I believe Russo was 9%. She came off the bench and scored again. Um, but yeah. So back to how I, now that there's more subs, yeah. what does more subs change? Five subs? Yeah, it's not great. You know, I, I don't love it. It's one more thing to think about. Uh, I think take like a, a little bit of a wait and see approach, see how teams are using them. You know, hopefully it doesn't change that much. But if you have teams that are using them a lot and subbing people at half and like now there's players that used to play 90 minutes that are getting subbed, like, yeah, pay attention to that stuff. 90 minutes is going to be very important. Um, yeah. So Ryan, I, yeah, I thought about this for 10 seconds before the show. And so your strategy of 
usually paying up for defenders. Do you think it'd be more, it's going to be more beneficial to actually pay up for defenders because they're less likely to be subbed off um, just in, in, gen, in general. Like you usually have, you know, midfielders, forwards, guys who are subbed off uh, before defenders. So now we have, we still have the TAAs, the Cancelos, Robertsons, all these guys who sure, maybe they'll get subbed off here and there, but probably more likely to go full nineties than, than I guess even guys like De Bruyne and stuff like that. So yeah, no, um, yeah. It's more beneficial even for your already defensive strategy. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think there are certain situations where, yeah, it could play out exactly like you said. So yeah, it would be more, more beneficial. Yeah. There will be like, uh, you know, not necessarily KDB, but there will be, you know, expensive midfielders who take sets um, that, yeah, are getting subbed earlier. It's going to, there'll be otherwise chalky players, like players who, who, who I don't know, might've been. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess is the answer. <laughs> um, there'll be, you, you can take more chance. You might be able to take more chances fading some chalk. If you know, there's more of a chance that said chalk is only going to play 60 minutes. And there's certain teams where, you know, their monopoly set piece taker, you might play him if he's going to play 75, 80 minutes. But if they're getting subbed at like 60 now, yeah, this is just like, yeah, you're fact, I'm going to be factoring all this in paying it, pay attention to how these teams are using their subs. Yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter as much for KDB because, you know, he can play 45 minutes and still hit value. So maybe it doesn't matter as much for him, but I'm thinking maybe like the, like the Ryan Frazier's instead of playing 80 minutes, maybe he's going 70 minutes, maybe for the people who like playing, I don't know, Joe, Joe Moutinho, uh, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even James Madison, who, you know, he's, he's had injuries past few years. He's the guy who maybe he'll be sub more, especially early in the yeah. season here. We're going to have, we're going to have you busier, know. even without European uh, UEFA matches, we're going to have midweek matches uh, leading up to the world cup. So uh, all this stuff kind of goes into the equation, more subs, more matches. So, uh, yeah, it'll be something, something it'll definitely about. be something to monitor. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, hopefully we're, we're sort of just overblowing it too, because, you know, you have yeah. plenty of teams and managers out there who don't uh, want to, even, even with three subs, just use one most of the time. So like, you know, it's going to be team dependent and yeah, uh, we had another a question by, based off of the subs here, Malik, in our chat here. Would you ever play a sub in a single entry contest? Um, I wouldn't rule it out. It'd have to be like in a like I got I got to bring up that Russo play, but I actually thought Russo was the best play on the slate, like basically a lock. So it'd have to be a play like that. I mean, like think of like. Think of City against the worst team in the league. And, you know, whoever their backup forward is, is 3,500. Could you play that in a single entry? Well, I say would, yes. Would I say City's yes. backup forward ever be 3,500, though? Maybe. You know, they just put him in. This Julian Alvarez from from River that they got from Ar- Argentina. Um, he's for be some tempting. reason, he's 3,500. You know, he's got a chance to get like 20 minutes going against, uh, you know, I don't know. Whoever. You know, maybe is the answer, but I wouldn't rule it out. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends. It on... Again, though, like these these are not spots that come up often. Right. Like, in, I, I want to clarify. Five hundred Manchester are, City player. Subs are playable in showdowns most of the time, but in GPPs, subs are rarely playable. Like I'm, you, you might get three opportunities all year to play a sub in a GPP, like profitably. It's something I almost never look for. I mean, like it, it's very rare. All right, next one we got. Uh, this was uh, Skyler asked this earlier this morning. How big do you think the uh, biggest World Cup prize pool is going to be for on DraftKings? Oh man, this is a tough one. I, I suggested two hundred thousand because we've seen the uh, hundred thousands in, in Champions League and in, in that final day. But I mean, maybe that's wishful thinking. Yeah. Um, so World Cup being in the winter, uh, I don't know if that's good, and being in Qatar, I don't know if that's great either. I don't know what times these games are going to start. Um, yeah, I would, you know, I'm not the guy to that has an answer for this. I was thinking 150, like, you know, we've seen 150 a couple times, and I'd be happy with that. Um, 200 would be great. I think we might get a couple of those big contests, but especially like you know, USA, England, and maybe that right, two right, kind of that game for sure. Um, but when they do have these big contests, you know, they're probably going to overlay. Um, so, I mean, take some chances on these big contests. There's not going to be that many of them. And and they will probably overlay, too. I mean, that's that's just my guess. And then they'll disappear. So there's not going to be that many opportunities. Yeah, the times, I guess the m main benefit in Qatar is that the times aren't that crazy. Uh, I think the England, actually all USA games are at 2 o'clock. Oh, that's Sunday. great. Unless I'm reading this incorrectly and the time no, aren't out yet. Um, but. You know, I don't know. Yeah. You know, we could, you know, it depends. I think DraftKings and I, I don't know if they. Sorry. I think it's 8 a.m. So this is Eastern 8 a.m., 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. So. Okay. So, we, yeah, we're going to have some games starting at 7 a.m. I think. Yeah. And those, those slates will be tough. Yeah. But. Yeah. You know, I hope so. I don't know. You know, it's impossible to predict, but like. Hopefully DraftKings reached out or, or will reach out to like, and I don't know how, how they could, how they would do this, but I think they do this. Like hopefully they reach out to the awesome types, uh, those, those guys that play 150 lineups, but don't normally play soccer. Hopefully they make somewhat of an effort, effort to get those, those big players into the world cup, at least for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got another question here in the chat from DFS Chan. Uh, what does your so soccer DFS bankroll management look like heading into the EPL season? Hmm. That's a tough question. Um, well, mine's a little different now after, after winning. Thing of the yeah. pitch you got to think about year. this still. Um, are you going to be entering a little more than you have in the past? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, but it's not going to be anything crazy. Like, yeah, this is another something I'm not sure of and a topic we could spend a lot of time on. But, you know, I normally play about 20 lineups or so. There'll probably be some tournaments where I might play 30. I don't know, maybe 40. Um, I don't know. Like if, you know, if. Should I be max entering 150? I mean, that's a conversation. To, if if Saramac or Redcoats or Moneyball or those guys who 
150, if they, you know, if they saw my results from entering 20 lineups, I'd sure that I'm sure I'm, I'd be leaving money on the table, not putting in 150, but I don't know, like you need an optimizer for that. And yeah. Though your hand, your hand writing right. all these manually. So it's a little different. I don't different. really do that. Um, so yeah, anyways, soccer DFS bankroll management. What did it used to look like? Um, I mean, I, I would, I take the biggest, I used to, I, I would take the biggest risks on soccer because that was my best sport. So, um, and I think I take a little bit more risk than most people. Um, so, you know, obviously it's different for everybody. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that. If soccer is your, is your best DFS sport, then, then that's where you should focus on you know i don't know no i don't have a good answer sorry (laughs) yeah for me for me i found that the the most beneficial thing to me is single entry contests um i do you know some of the smaller ones but um that just seems to work out more in my favor than like if you're single entry double entry or sorry one entry or two entries into like the big contest, the big hundred K. Yeah. No, I'm glad you that's, said that's that. almost impossible to win. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what it comes down to. That's why I kind of favor the single entries personally. You're right. Actually, if you're just like, yeah. Um, it's probably, it's better to play single entries than if you're just going to maybe put two lineups into the main GPP or even four lineups into the main GPP. Yeah. You, you probably are better off playing single entries. You're right. You want to, you want to keep a bankroll for the whole season. So like, you know, my bankroll was low at a time. I grinded up from nothing uh, playing soccer. And then, yeah, I was, I was focused more on the smaller field stuff for sure. Yeah, I don't know how many times where, you know, I have one or two entries into the into the main contest. And I have I felt like, you know, pretty good lineup, almost perfect lineup. But it's like, oh, you, you finish 40th. You, you yeah. And to be honest, guy. yeah, most of the time, if you're only making two lineups, you're probably not going to come up with the lineup that's going to win. Right. Like a lot of times you need to take more risk. And it's pretty tough to do that if you only have two lineups. You know, I'm making 20, 30 lineups so I can take big risks on some of those mm-hmm. lineups. And the way to win these, I mean, the, the, the biggest, like this is every DFS sport, basically. And the, the way to win these tournaments, it usually works out this way, is the people willing to take the most risk are the ones who usually get the biggest reward. Um, it's, it's hard to do that with one or two lineups, like taking a chance on, you know, guys that suck guys in bad spots. Um, you know, if you're playing properly, you're going to lose a lot of times. Like you're going to lose a lot of times, especially if you're playing like me who goes so hard on ownership. I mean, I blank slates. I have 30 lineups and full blank slates all the time. Um, so I mean, can, can you stomach that? But, but that's also how you win because like when my core hits, I have eight chances at first place. I don't just have like 20 different lineups and like, hopefully one of them gets there. Right. I was going to say that about the small two game slates too. go heavier on ownership, whoever the best plays are, just play them in all, all, you know, if you, if you know who the best plays are, I know that's easier said than done, but 
just play them in all your lineups. Seriously, there's always another slate the next day. You want to give mm. yourself a good chance to win when when your core hits. And another thing about those two-game, those three-game slates, and obviously this is true for the bigger ones too, you don't need the nuts. I can't believe how many times the nuts doesn't win these two-game slates. I, I'm shocked. It, like It happens more often than not. So you don't need to worry about that necessarily either. Uh, furthering this, Malik is asking what percentage of your weekly bankroll goes towards GPP, single entry, cash games. Uh, yeah, I don't think you play cash games. So no, I, you, you know, I wish I wish I could answer these for you, Malik. But a hundred, a hundred percent of my bankroll goes towards GPPs. Um, but that's like I think probably the smaller stakes cash games. There's still quite a bit of edge, but it I just can't justify it. Like. I, I, I'm pretty confident I would be like a winning player in cash games, at least the, the lower stakes, but I'm looking for a bigger payoff and like the, how tilted I would be from like losing cash. It would, would, <laughs> would, would like makes me not want to play it. Yeah. Like the, the times where I lose cash, I'll be just like so tilted that like, even if I win money in the long run, it wouldn't be worth it. Uh, you <laughs> but just again, said- like for you, I don't know, like it, where are you having success or like, what are your goals? Um, if, if this is, if you, if this is like your only bankroll and you need to grind it up and you might not be able to play again, if, if you bust, then maybe you should focus most of your money on cash until you build a bankroll. If you're a winning player, um, if you're someone that, you know, can deposit sort of whenever they want. Um, and if you lose, like it's okay. Uh, then play GPPs, man. You need to hit a big score, and then you know you're off and running. Uh, you mentioned you just mentioned your core plays. How many players do you think are typically in your core? I'd say about four, just based off the uh, the hundred thousand that you won. You mentioned the four players that you had. Is that kind of what what you're usually floating with? Four players. Yeah, well, about? it's definitely different, but yeah, about that. Like, like. If there's a Trent or a, a Reese James, or there's usually one defender, one or two defenders that are way better than the field. Like my favorite slates are when I think there's two defenders that stand out, like just two. So I'm playing those two on every lineup. It's just so easy. Then I can do whatever I want with the rest of the stuff. And KDB is another one like that. Um, this last season was just crazy. If you look at KDB's game log, it's crazy. I mean, he's putting up 25 every single week, every single week. And Alexander Arnold too, every single week. So like until the prices on these guys change, like they're just not really hurting your lineups. Like I understand that they're chalk, but I'm convinced that soccer plays a little bit differently than these other DFS sports. Like I'm trying to jam the best chalk, like when it's a sure thing. Um, and I feel like in soccer, there, there are some like, some sure things sometimes is that De Bruyne? This is De Bruyne. Yep. So like, there's a five point game right there. Oh, that was Champs League get, at yeah, Atletico Madrid. Okay, well that's a little bit different. And that other one was Champs League too. So yeah. if, you, if you just look at the Prem, like he basically never lost a slate for you. Like I mean, and he was like he's he's in the winning lineup in almost all of those. You had to go back to like at Arsenal January first to when he didn't hit double double digits. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, 
and like Trent was similar, but like, I'm trying to, you know, I want to have the least decisions as possible, you know, when I can a lot of times. And if you have these guys that are like sort of like free squares and again, like this started, this started for me kind of because I didn't play any cash and like way back in the day, like if I just played like my best core, the GPPs weren't, the lobby wasn't nearly as sharp. And like I could have, you could have an off day and still make money in GPPs, especially if like all the best plays were in your core. It doesn't really work like that anymore. Um, but yeah, so of my 20 lineups, how many players? Yeah, probably four. A forward, a midfielder, and hopefully two defenders. Maybe just three, like a defender, a midfielder, and a forward. Could yeah yeah, half the players usually. But oh yeah, you know. So now we're on that. One thing I wanted to. One thing I'm gonna try to do this year though is. So I go hundred percent on ownerships a lot of times. I'm gonna try to cut that down to ninety in certain spots this year. In more spots, even with guys like KDB and with Trent. Just because I want those couple lineups where, you know, if the rest of my core hits, I'd hate to, you know, you'd hate to have yeah, one just in of the case. guys. Yeah. So, but in, like 90% is still a huge ownership stand. So like I, I keep trying to tell myself that you don't need to go full hundred. Um, so, but yeah, I'm going to try to switch it up a little bit more. Um, so this next one, I'm, just double checking to see if I wrote it down correctly. Uh, but just your lineups for well, this is smaller slates, larger slates. Um, I guess it's so it'd be like the main GPP versus uh, you know smaller smaller yeah. entry GPPs. Yeah. Do you use the same lineups for that? Um, no, no, yeah, you don't in the smaller stuff. Um. In the smaller stuff, typically you don't need as high of a score to win. Those so, are closer to like cash lineups, would you say? Definitely. Okay. And like, yeah. So like if I put, yes, that's, yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. Like if I put, I play the high stakes tournament every week too. Some It's like a 275. Sometimes it's a 555. I'm putting a similar lineup that I would put in cash in those tournaments. You, you, you don't need as high of a score. Like I look for one or two guys that have a little bit more upside, but you can get away with, you know, somebody scoring four points, a center defensive mid or a, a center back scoring two points. Um, but yeah, you can't really, you can't get away with that in the, in the main GPP. So yeah, it, it, definitely there's a difference. Yeah. All right, we got so just general showdown strategy. When when do you captain goalkeepers? When is it best to captain the popular set piece takers, i.e., Alexander Arnold, um, De Bruyne, uh, you know, all the main guy's son? Uh, I, I know you've talked about in the past of how it's usually best not to captain the most popular player, find maybe. Uh, you know, the opposite team goal scorer, that kind of a thing, or obviously depends what kind of route you want to go with. But um, how often do you go with the goalkeepers and how often do you, do you end up captaining like a, a TAA kind of a thing? Um, 
Depends, I guess. I guess that's yeah, it definitely thing. depends. Um, goalkeepers in general, I'm just I'm over the field. Um, they become more popular as the years have gone on. It used to be like just a huge edge playing keeper and showdown. Like it was the biggest edge, like three yeah. years ago. I lost all my goalkeeper edge last year. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So now a lot of people are doing it. Um, I still play a lot of keepers. I still like to captain them. Um, as far as when, that's a good question. Um, well, for one, if you need the salary, like, I, I, I would take, say it's almost like when the when the implied goal total is like three, not when you have like a Burnley against uh, whoever, another team that's not going to score against Wolves. Like because then that's when the goalkeepers are, you know, higher up 30 percent kind of a thing. If you have the teams actually score and that game, it, one of those guys gets a clean sheet. I think that's kind of more of a benefit there. Yeah. Um yeah. Um, now it's slate dependent. So, man, I, I there's just I have like a yeah, million, yeah. million thoughts going through my head. So, yeah, if it's a team like Burnley, now I know what you're saying, but it's also like there's there, sometimes there's not a lot of floor points in that game, and there might not be a lot of goals in that game. So the amount of players out there that can outscore a keeper really like aren't that many. The keepers end up like optimal. Mm-hmm quite a bit they can even be like the highest scoring overall player in those games so yeah for those games games that are going to end one nothing i mean you want a keeper captain um another spot is like think of city or liverpool where all their forwards are expensive um and you need like a cheaper at least somewhat cheaper captain to fit all of these guys it doesn't even matter like if the goalkeeper scores only 10 or 12 points, if the, the construction, right. It, 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 if the construction is right, it can work. Like your goalie doesn't have to be the high. Your captain doesn't have to be the highest score. I know I talk about this. Your captain doesn't have to be the highest score uh, for the lineup to be optimal. When is it best to captain popular set piece takers? This is one that I actually think I I've struggled a bit with um, because I tend to not captain the Alexander Arnold's, the, Lucas Dinas, the basically the the wing backs that take set pieces, um, and it's kind of been a mistake for me actually. Um, I, I haven't captained those guys enough just because I had been afraid that they were too chalky, and they are sometimes. But if I think you can get like if you can get different on those slates. Yeah, I, I think guess. for TAA specifically, I found that if Robertson is cheaper enough, if he's if he's less expensive enough than TAA, he's actually sometimes more beneficial. Just yeah, because so, so he often price has everything in. to do with it. Price right. has everything to do with it. Like, I wish we had I wish we had some Premier League examples currently, but there was a women's slate recently where like all the best plays were expensive. And then you had a left back that takes sets and she was only like 5k or not even 4,500 or something. And 
she's still probably only going to score like eight points, maybe, maybe 10 points or something. But that, even that can be enough, like mm -hmm. 12 points. And they're like, for sure, the nuts. Like, it depends on price. It definitely depends on price. If they're, if they're priced too closely to goal scorers, then I'm probably not going to do it unless, like, it's a trend. Like, I'm still trying to captain guys that are going to score two goals. But, uh, yeah, I guess I don't think I – I don't know. I I didn't do it enough last year, but again, it's all slate dependent. It's tough to just talk general. It's, showdown is the toughest to talk general about. Yeah, it's impossible. Everything is slate dependent for showdown. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's the last slide. We got some more comments, though. I'll just keep uh, your prior winning lineup here on the screen. Uh, just in terms of showdown, Nico is just saying he's seen Saramac play a lot of double goalkeepers, and yeah, that's. That's one of Saramac's strategies. He just runs out double goalkeepers. Oh, I love double keeper. Yeah, I do it all the time. He does it almost, from what I saw, pretty much every every showdown slate. Uh, I do it, it pretty like much it. every one, too. Especially okay. the ones, like, I mean, this this happens all the time. The, the City showdowns, the Liverpool showdowns, it can be anyone where there's a big favorite. A lot of times I'll just have the opposing keeper from the other team. Like the opposing keeper is going to be my highest owned player. Like I'm looking for them to get scored on even three times and make six saves and six points can be optimal from a, from a 4k keeper. I mean, it, it happens all the time. So yeah, I love double keeper. Definitely. Even when you captain keeper, you can have keeper, the other keeper in Utah. So we got a question. This one's kind of four months from now, but Javier is asking, will we expect to play World Cup a little different? Um, I, I would just say yes. Uh, so he's saying we have a smaller sample size of how teams play tactically. Would you expect lower scoring games similar to kind of, I guess, the top four in the EPL? Um, I mean, if you just look at international play, like those games are lower scoring. Uh, you know, this is something we'll, we'll talk about eventually when, when it's uh, – when it comes time, but uh, I just remember Euros, I guess that was only a year ago, but how many matches where it was like, one of my favorite things to do was take the under on on a half a goal in the first half because these teams are, are a little more defensive. They don't know each other as well. And that hit like at a pretty crazy rate. And I don't think the World Cup's going to be any different unless it's like a minus 500 favorite and you have a yeah. one dominant team kind of a thing. So. Yeah, I know. I agree. I do. I do expect World Cup to play a little different. Yeah, it, it, it's going to. And it'll be best to like sort of wait and see how it does too. Um, don't. And it's even going to be the same in the Premier League a little at the start of the season. Like, don't be so sure on things. I mean, a common mistake for people in DFS, like one of the most common mistakes People are too sure about things that you shouldn't be sure about. Um, and especially when this World Cup comes along, it's, yeah, it's going to play differently. I would say there's, at the start of the tournament, like there's, you can fade chalk more. There's fewer, you know, quote unquote locks. Uh, it's a time to take chances. Even at the start of the prem, like I'm going to get a lot of stuff wrong. You know, hopefully not a lot, but I'm going to get <laughs> things wrong. Same with the World Cup. And I mean, like I'm going to get, some set piece takers wrong here and there, some formations wrong here and there, some, and, and it's going to happen to everybody, but that's going to happen more in, in the world cup. And there's going to be subs and there's going to be um, teams surprisingly playing better. You know, it doesn't go with what the odds say. So yeah, it's going to play different. We'll, we'll get more into it when it, when it comes closer. 
yeah, next week we will be back. Um, but yeah, DraftKings came out with their season opener. We got a four game slate to kick things off. And I'm just looking at the schedule. So, you know, speaking of some things we have to learn early in the season, and that's this first slate here. I mean, I guess not speaking about showdown slates that will happen before, but we have, we're going to have Bournemouth. We're going to have to talk about Bournemouth. We're going to have to talk about Nottingham Forest. Uh, two of the teams out of the eight teams in that first four game slate we'll be talking about it next week, but just, just some things we got to learn about. We got to learn about leads without uh, Rafinha. We got to learn. We got to learn about. Uh, right. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff. We got to learn about Perisic playing at Tottenham. Yeah. See what, see what kind of things he does in there. So uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things to learn early in the season. We'll uh, for the most part, there's not a ton of breaks. So we'll be content coming in hot and heavy, I guess. And uh, there's not a ton of midweek stuff, but Ryan, 70 minutes here. Uh, do, you, do you have any more tips here? We're done with you, the you know, I, I could more prob- No, I, yeah, I could. We could keep talking for a while. Unfortunately, I got to run. Fortunately, um, the baby is crying. Yeah, you can hear the baby outside. <laughs> so actually, he's waiting to come back in. And then as soon as he comes back in, I got to get ready. I'm going to meet. Um, I'm going to meet my friends out in London. I'm already a little bit late. It's right. kind of annoying, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. I, 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 <laughs> this was good. I'm not complaining. All right, Ryan. Thanks for joining us on this Q and a, it's been fun. Uh, we will be back next week. We plan to have the plan is for Jordan Cooper to be with us as well. Um, it's actually come up so quickly. I haven't even mentioned, uh, messaged him yet to find out if, if he'll be with us next week, but, Ryan, you can find him at Ryan Belangi. And as usual, rotowire.com slash soccer trial. You can get a free 10-day trial, no credit card required, but you can get all the content we have. We're going to be having the DFS cheat sheets. Ryan will be having his uh, DraftKings articles as well, which you know gives goes maybe a little deeper at times uh, into these slates. So, Ryan, thank you for this, and we will see everyone next week. Yeah, thanks. Can't wait.